Well, hey guys, welcome to Young Adults. My name's Jared, and I'm excited that you are here with us tonight. Tonight, we're continuing in a series called Change Your World. What does it look like to have your world change? And the question that I want to ask you all tonight is, um, man, what was the focus of Jesus? Uh, I think we have a, a, a penchant, a, a bend towards like loving the things that the people that we respect and honor and look up to love, right? Like, uh, did any of you guys maybe in, the, in your, your like formative years, middle school, high school, was there someone that you look up to that like got a thing that you're like, well, I got to have the thing too? Like whether that was a hairstyle, some clothing choices, something you saw on Disney Channel that you were like, man, I got to have that too. Uh, for me, I remember um, Justin Timberlake, and this is Justin Timberlake the first time around, some sync Justin Timberlake with uh, the ramen hair looking stuff with like Britney Spears, Justin Timberlake uh, a little while ago. And I remember one, he had like an afro, like nobody's addressing that. He just had an afro for a little bit and then he comes back 10 years later and doesn't have an afro anymore and nobody says anything about it, but Justin Timberlake had an afro. But I remember he had like, like frosted tips, which frosted tips are coming back. Like I see some frosted tips right here on the front row, right? <laughs> Chase, Chase is letting them flow. But I remember getting frosted tips when they were cool the first time. Well, probably, I'll be honest, they were, a, they were cool a couple years before I got them, and then I was late to the game. But I remember, like, asking my parents, like, hey, can I, like, do something to my hair? And I was probably, like, 10 or 11. And my parents were like, why? And I was like, I don't, I, I just, I think it's cool. Really, it's because Justin Timberlake did it, and I wanted to do it, too. And um, I remember, like, my parents were like, oh, let, let, let's talk about this another time. And I remember between then, like, talking to my friends, one of my friends being like, you know what you can do? You put mayonnaise in your hair. And then you go out in the sun, and I don't know of the chemical reaction of mayonnaise in the sun to, to human hair, but one of my friends was like, yeah, you can do that. Now, thank God one of them had something called sun in that you sprayed on top of your hair, and everybody just thought like, oh, your, your hair got light in the sun, and I never put mayonnaise in my hair. But I was willing to. I was ready, willing, and able to put mayonnaise in my hair because I wanted to have that hair like JT, and he was on sync, so I wanted to do everything he did. But I think we have this bend towards like looking at successful people, looking at people that are good at things, looking at people that are famous or successful and saying, man, I got to do that same thing too. And I think we even take that to a, a, a different place where it's like, well, man, Elon Musk is successful and he does this thing with his time. So surely if I do this, it'll work backwards and then I'll be successful too. And we try to backtrack success in some of those ways, and, and we go, man, that, that guy wasn't successful until he started using that app on his phone to track his time. Now I'm going to start using the app on my phone to track my time, and then I'm going to be successful just like that person. And people have been doing this for ages. It happens with styling choices, that you see people taking on things that, that, man, oh my gosh, can you imagine dressing that way? And then in six months, everybody's dressing that way. It just happens. Why? Because we see people that are successful or that we look up to, and we go, I got to have that too. I have to do the same thing. Well, I, I want to take that to Jesus tonight. Because Jesus had a ministry over 2,000 years ago that we look at now and we go, it was short. Jesus' ministry was three years long. He was 30 years old when he started his ministry. He was 33 years old when he died on the cross. He only ministered for three years. That's not a very long time. For some of y'all, that's half a college, right? Nobody laughs. Okay. It's, people take a long time to finish college. That was a joke. Um, but he only ministered for three years. That's not that long of a time. And his impact is so incredible. 
What was the focus of Jesus? When Jesus was here on earth, what did he do with his time? What did he do with the small investment that he had 2,000 years ago? He didn't move off of a small footprint of land. I mean, when you look at it, it's like he did everything wrong. He didn't go to the far reaches and start a franchise there. He didn't go do this thing. There was no brick and mortar. There was no organization almost. And you go, okay, how did Jesus do this that 2,000 years ago we're still talking about it? Because it has unmatched effectiveness. It has unmatched movement. He didn't create a political system. He didn't create reform that changed everything. He didn't come in like the king that people thought he did, but we're still talking about it today. It wasn't money or institution. So how did Jesus shape his life and ministry that we can take a little bit of that today that I really think that if we take some of these things that will change our world, it will change the things that we care about. Um, Today we're going to be in Matthew 9. Uh, In Matthew 9, we're going to kind of hit some of the mountaintops in Matthew 9. As we were, as I was working through this message, and and we'll land on one at the very end, I was like, man, you see these patterns in Jesus' ministry. When Matthew writes this, he's right in the middle of what Jesus is, is doing in his ministry. And it's pretty clear, like, Logan talked a couple weeks ago, and, and I talked the week after it because I was like still infatuated with it on purpose. And when Logan talked through purpose, he talked through like, man, if you want your life to mean something to the people around you, when you see something that's wrong, you see something that, that isn't what it should be, you see it, you stop, and you do something. You see it, you stop, and you do something. We talked about purpose the week after that. We talked about having a plan for your life, a vision And Jesus had both of those things. He had a strong purpose. He had a clear plan. And people were it. When we look at what the focus of Jesus' life and ministry are, he had a clear purpose. He had a strong plan. But people were his focus. So when we think through people, some of y'all are like people people. Some of y'all are extroverts. When you think about people, y'all are sitting in the front row because you guys are like, you can't get enough of being around people. And then some of y'all are in the back, which I'm, I, I identify with some of that on, on a couple levels. But some of y'all are like people, people. You love being around other people. And you're like, man, Jesus is focused with my people. And I love being around people. Me and Jesus are basically the same. I love it. It's awesome. That like some of you love being around people. And to be with people with a certain sense of purpose might be a little bit different. My wife and I are really different. She loves talking to people. And she loves talking to people when they come up to her and they say, hey, how are you? And they don't just go, how's your, how's your, how's your fan, how's that? And she's like, can we cut through the small talk and get to it? Because I can't deal with a thousand different little conversations. And I'm like, man, I saw a hundred people that I'm friends with tonight. And she's like, that's not my thing. And I can walk through a crowd and feel like, man, I saw a hundred people that are my best friends, but none of those were maybe purposeful conversations. None of those were meaningful interactions with another person where I had a lot of conversations, but maybe not all of them were meaningful. Maybe you're on the other end of the spectrum, and you're, you're one of the people that says, like, ah, he just said that people were Jesus' focus, and I focus on dodging people. And that can be a little bit of everybody some, some of the time. That maybe you're like, I need to learn to have some purpose and plan in the way that I interact with the people that are around me. Maybe you see the people in your life as an obstruction as an obstacle to what you want to get. Maybe your drive is so strong. Maybe you have such clear goals 
for your life that it's really just people that you're like, okay, if I can just leverage that relationship to get that next thing that I want, or if I can kind of work around that person because they're kind of an obstacle to what I'm doing, that you see your plan for your life is so clear that you're like, man, I just, that person's kind of either going to help me or they need to get out of my way. And that's how you view people. Maybe there's been pain in your past, and when you think about people, you think about what comes along with people, and that's relationships, and relationships haven't always been easy. Everybody's got something with relationships. When you start thinking about people, you think about certain people, and you think about how some people have hurt you. Some people have used a relationship for their gain, and it hurt you. So as we talk about people tonight, I want you to know I'm not just saying, hey, there's this idyllic world where you just have to leave all those things behind. You have to not be yourself. But I do think that there's some things that we look at, especially if you call yourself a believer, that this, what we talk about tonight, modeling your life after Jesus is what he asks us to do. And you need to take your view of people, your perception of how you interact with people, and you need to let God's word shift it. And maybe you're here and you're like, I'm not a believer. This is kind of weird. We're talking about being people, people. I'm not really sure what's about to happen. And you need to know that the way that we're talking about Jesus and what he was to the people around him is the same way that he views and loves you. That if you're here tonight and you're like, man, I've got some pain with church people or people just in general, that I've been hurt by them, can I just tell you, God loves you. Can I tell you that what we're going to talk about tonight, that that is God's plan. That God sees you for who you are and he loves you fully and completely. So like I said, we're in Matthew 9. We're in the middle of Jesus' ministry, in the middle of his three-year ministry. And and you see some cool things happen here. So we're going to talk about three things that Jesus was. And most of these verses are going to be up on the screen as we talk. um, Because we're going to kind of hit a lot of the different things within this chapter. The first thing that we see that Jesus was towards people is that Jesus was intentional. Jesus was intentional. When you look in Matthew 9 verse 9 and 10, you see that Jesus calls Matthew. That's what like the heading on that, that paragraph in my Bible says. It says Jesus calls Matthew, and it says, as Jesus passed on from there, so he was going from one place to another, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax booth. Now, we've talked about that before with a guy named Zacchaeus who was a tax collector. A tax collector would have been someone from the Jewish faith and community that they were under Roman rule, that those tax collectors were people that were Jews that would go on behalf of the Roman government and collect taxes. And when they would collect taxes, you might owe 15%, but they might take 25% and pocket that 10%. So the Romans didn't really have love for them. They were just someone who collected money, and the Jews didn't really have a place for them because they were like, "You listen, you're, you're thieves, and you're turning your back on our own people. But when Jesus passed him, it would have been easy for him to sneer. It would have been easy for him to say, look at that guy. He's the scum of the earth. Look at that guy. He turns on his people. But the first thing you see is that he saw a man named Matthew. And, and that just fits so in, in line with what Logan talked about a couple weeks ago. If he saw it. How often do we see people for the moniker that we give them. Oh, he's that. Oh, that's his role. He's sitting at a tax booth. He must be. You know, she's that girl who, yeah, in high school, you know her first two years of college, she was wild. And we see people for the moniker that they are, 
But Jesus said, it says here that Jesus saw a man called Matthew sitting at a tax booth. He didn't see him as less than. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. And as Jesus reclined at the table in the house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were reclining with Jesus and his disciples. Jesus' ministry is so funny. It's so interesting. Because even as you read this chapter, it's like Jesus went here. And then Jesus went here. And then Jesus spent some time doing this. And then Jesus went away from there. And a couple weeks ago, we looked at, and, and John Elmore talked about it, that there was that man who had the demoniac. And they, they, they finish doing the, this incredible ministry with a lot of people in this one area. And he says, hey, we're getting in the boat. We're going across the lake. And the only thing on the other side of the lake is this guy who is crazy, who is insane, who they've tried to chain up. They, he's, he runs around with no clothes on. I mean, it's just this wild situation. And all that happens is they come over. Jesus heals the man. Chaos ensues with the people. He gets in the boat and he goes back. That seems like such a waste of time, but Jesus was so intentional with his time. Jesus saw people in his intentions. He didn't just go, okay, I've got this plan, and uh, if you can help me along the way, that's what's going to work. No, he saw people with a purpose. He saw people with what his purpose and plan and ministry was. All the way to the end of the chapter, in 9 verse 36... It says, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. There's this theme here that Jesus doesn't just look at people and go, must be bad to be in that situation. He looks at people and he sees them. He saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. Can I ask you, when you see someone, do you see them with the moniker that society gives them, or do you see them for what they really are, and what Jesus said was helpless, hopeless, harassed? I think Jesus was effectively intentional with people because he was intentional in other areas. I think if we, if we try to go out and we just, man, I'm going to be really intentional, I'm going to do all these things, and we live all outward. We're going to miss a little bit, and here's what I mean. Jesus was intentional with a lot of the other areas of his life so that he could be successful when he was intentional with people. Jesus was intentional with knowing God's word. Uh, the Bible talks about this, this scene, this time, that, that right before Jesus started his ministry, right before Jesus started his ministry, he goes out into the desert and he's focusing on God, but it says that Satan tempts him out there. He was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights and Satan comes up and says, hey, look, stand out over this ledge. If you just bow down to me, you can have everything that your eye can see. And and he tempts him three or four times. And when he tempts him, Jesus doesn't come back with like, I'm just gonna sing a praise song, I'm gonna do these little things. He comes back with God's word. And some of those little habits and tricks aren't bad things, but knowing God's word helped Jesus fight sin. Sometimes I think we look at like, why am I not having effectiveness? How I see other people having effectiveness and our lives are riddled with sin. And we think, okay, if I just do enough good, that bad will get rid. And in all reality, so much changes that when, when we just stand in front of God, help us. We don't have anything else to offer. God, if we're going to change, it's going to be you. God, my good is coming from you. 
The bad changing inside of me is coming from you. But he was intentional knowing God's word. The second thing that he was intentional within was spending time alone with God. Logan talked about this, and I talked about this a couple weeks ago, that Jesus spent intentional time withdrawing. You see it in Mark 1. You see it in Luke 4. If you flip over a couple of pages to to Matthew 14, you see this crazy run of like cool things that Jesus got to do. In Matthew 14, you see uh, that John the Baptist died, and it was this, this really difficult time. In 14 verse 13, it says, now when Jesus heard this, he's talking about John the Baptist has just died, this person that was his cousin that was kind of the, the, the forerunner in ministry that went before him and prepared the hearts for the, for the Lord. So when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. And when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And he did it in times of difficulty. He did it in times of like, man, I don't, I don't, I hate that that happened, like, I struggle to know what Jesus knew as fully God and fully man. I'm sure he knew that John the Baptist was going to die, but I'm sure it still grieved his human heart. But what did he do? He went alone by himself. And what happens next is the crowd follows him and he teaches them and then he feeds the 5,000. This is an incredible picture of what God's power is and what he can do and You know, when we look at the way that Jesus was with people, he was intentional both with individuals and with crowds. He didn't say, hey, one is the answer and one is not. He never said, hey, I'm never going to talk to the crowds. I'm never going to talk to the one. He focused intensely on the one, but he also focused on crowds. And he got to feed 5,000 people. Incredible situation. And what you see in verse 22 is what happens right after Jesus feeds the 5,000. In verse 22 and 23, immediately he made the disciples get in the boat and go before him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowds, and after he dismissed the clouds, the crowds, after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. I think one of the things that's going to plague this generation is the fear of silence. And the fear of being still and quiet before God. And the fear of if no one's saying anything or if I don't have something in my, my ear, I don't know what's going to happen. But the Bible says to be still and know that I'm God. To meditate on God's word. That Jesus is in the middle of like a cool run of ministry. Like he's doing some awesome things. Like if this is the hall of fame, this is it. Like if he's going to put in some cool moments, this is it. What happens right after this is almost even more incredible. Because the disciples are out on a boat on their own, Jesus is up on a hilltop. He sees that the storm is coming and that they're having a hard time, so he just goes and finds them. But he doesn't just go and find them in a boat. He walks across the water to go see them. They freak out. They think it's a ghost. That's where Peter walks on water. It's this incredible moment. But in between two of these bookends of these incredible times of miraculous cool things happening, Jesus intentionally goes away by himself. I just want to ask you, what does your time by yourself look like? Are you intentional with that time? Are you intentional knowing God's word and spending time alone with your creator? Or is it intended on something else? 
The last thing that I think Jesus was intentional about was that Jesus was intentional with those that were teachable. Jesus was intentional with those that are teachable. When I was saying a minute ago that Jesus doesn't neglect the crowds, but he also focuses on the one. I mean, Jesus spent time with what? The disciples, the 12, people that were around him consistently. And then there were even more beyond that of people that were consistently following him. And you see this kind of pyramid or, or, or funnel thing. And what he's talking about there is he has this like inner circle. And it's one of those where you're like, man, does Jesus play favorites? No. I mean, you, you can't read the Bible and think that Jesus just picks and chooses, but he does spend intentional time with people that want to learn and know about him and care about. He wants to know. Hey, do you, do you want to grow? Are you teachable? Will you read things in God's word and say that doesn't line up with the way that I live and I, I want it to change? Do you see things that the people around you are, are teaching you or showing you or a mentor or someone that you've invited into your life and you want to make those changes? Or are you just like, man, what I can bring to the table is the best bet? Jesus focused on teachable people. Are you a teachable person or do you have it all figured out? I want to ask you, how are you intentional with your time? How are you intentional with your time? Jesus spent so much time focusing on, okay, th this is something that I'm going to do. I want the people around me to understand it. I want to focus on them. I want them to see it. That Jesus was intentional with us. Jesus was intentional with you individually to give you salvation, to give you hope for your life. Are you intentional with the people around you? And that flows into the second point. Jesus was interruptible. Jesus was interruptible. This might be one of the most frustrating things in the world, to be interrupted. Like, when you hear that someone is an interrupter, I feel like I can do this, that I'm like, oh, I have a funny, funny anecdote. If you, if you just stop talking, I could, I could go ahead and say it. And I want to interrupt people. But as you read through Matthew 9, the whole thing's interruptions. Matthew 9, 1, getting into the boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought him a paralytic person lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he healed the paralytic and said, take, my, take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus was interrupted. As Jesus was calling Matthew in verse 9, he was walking along as he was going from one place to the next. He sees Matthew and was interrupted. In verse 14, he was interrupted with a question. It says that then the disciples of John, so someone else's disciples, came to him saying, why do, you, why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And he spent time answering that question, giving them wisdom, helping them understand. The next paragraph is an interruption on top of an interruption. It says, while he was saying these things to them, he's explaining, answering the question to, the, to those disciples, while he was saying these things to them, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And what you see over the next couple of verses is that Jesus is on his way to the house, and then you have the story of the woman who had a medical problem of bleeding, and she, she knew that Jesus probably had power, so she reached out and touched his robe and touched him, and he's interrupted from healing a dead girl to help someone else with their problem, and he stops and talks to her. 
I don't know if you've ever been interrupted twice in a row, but I, my attitude thinking about it is making me angry. But here's Jesus on his way to a very important thing that was an interruption, and he's interrupted again, and he still has the patience to go ahead and say something worthwhile to this lady. And then he heals the dead girl, just so you know. Verse 27, you see another interruption. Jesus heals two blind men, and Jesus passed on from there. Two blind men followed him, crying aloud, have mercy on us, son of David. And when he entered the house, the blind men came in after him. And Jesus said to them, do you believe that I'm able to do this? And they said to him, yes, Lord. And he touched their eyes, saying, according to your faith, it's done to you. And their eyes were opened. He entered the house. Two guys followed him and after him. An interruption. And then, as they were going away, in verse 32, behold, a demon-oppressed man who was mute was brought to him. Jesus' ministry was filled with interruptions. Sometimes I'm so convinced that my plan is so good, an interruption would throw that right out the window. And I would view an interruption as, how dare you? I can't deal with that right now. I've got more important things to deal with. But when you read through this whole